Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. We see the world around us. The messaging of culture is, how do you live a happy and whole life? What you do is you follow your heart. The answers for what you need are inside of you. And the way that you're going to figure out what is going to make you happiest is by exploring yourself, loving yourself, not being the side character to your story, but being the main character of your life. And as you do that and prioritize yourself and your needs, you're going to be happy. If you let anything else other than that happen, you're letting people take advantage of you and you're never going to live a whole life. Does that sound familiar to some extent? And so I was thinking for the coming weeks, going into a series where we can just begin to break down what are some of the messages that culture gives us? It's almost like their version of a gospel. It's like we know the gospel is through Jesus, his life, that's what we find we were created for. But the culture has so many other messages that they're sending us. And they're saying, if you do this, if you have this, you'll be set. The danger is, as Christians, we can find ourselves adopting the gospel of the culture and sneaking it into our walks with God. What's the danger with that? Well, we know the Bible says that the desires of this world and the desires that God wants to fill us with and lead us in are at literal war with each other. There is a culture out there that is trying to give you messages that actually sound really good, they actually are so alluring to you because what it does when you begin to follow them is it gives the flesh, it gives yourself still the ability to have some control over your life and not have to fully follow Jesus and what he said. What's the danger in that? What you end up having is the worst of both worlds. You can be a Christian, but be living in none of what God has for you, and you're not even all the way in the world, and you're just in some middle spot where it's like part of what the world tells me life is about, part of what God tells me life is about, and here I am with nothing. That's what this series is going to be about. And so I was trying to think of a name, and I was like, you know what, it's kind of corny, but it kind of hits. So what it is, you can throw it on the screen. Instead of Generation Z, it's Generation Me. (laughs) Gen Me. So... This is what I want to get in with you guys today. This is going to be the focus. And in the coming weeks, a couple of things I'm going to be excited just to talk with you guys about. We're going to talk about identity today. We are going to be talking about sex in the coming weeks. Anytime we advertise that, like a thousand people come. And so we'll make sure you guys know when it's coming. Um, We're going to be talking about a lot of different awesome things. It's probably going to be three weeks, but what we might end up up doing is also maybe come out with a podcast alongside that, going into some more focused topics, which I'm excited about. I think it's going to be cool. But Generation Me, so what is that about? It's kind of what I was saying. It's we live in a culture that says you find your life by following your heart. You find your life by being authentic to the desires that are inside of you, Don't fight against what you feel. 
Because if you fight against what you feel, you're only letting other people control you and you're missing what's going to bring the fullest life possible to you. That is the message that our culture is really built on. It's kind of interesting. When you look through human history, that's not really a message that you see where it's almost like a way of saying it is, who's God? It's you. How do you worship God? By doing what you want. How do you find fulfillment? Your, your desires, the things that are inside of you, that is the truest thing about you. That is the most good thing about you. So let that drive you and you will be whole. Isn't it crazy though? This is the message that we're getting fed. But look around. Look at literally everybody, your friends, your family. They might be people that have pleasure-filled lives. Does anyone you know have peace? A lot of the people we know, they're either in a place of kind of like nihilism where they just kind of feel hopeless and whatever, or just like distraction from their mess, you know? It's like a lot of times when I look back in seasons of my life, it's like if this is all true, that I'm created for God, I can only have peace if I'm walking with God. I look back at times in my life and it's like, okay, those times weren't as bad as maybe some other times where things got real bad. But whenever I look at those times, I always kind of realize what was happening during those times, I saw some kind of like finish line where there was some distraction of pleasure that didn't really fix the deepest issues that were inside of me. It either just like made them not be as bad for moments, but I had to keep going back to those things. Or I was just like, I'm getting there. And once I get there, I'm not going to be feeling these things anymore. So let me get, but then you get there and it's horrible, right? Look around. If the gospel that this culture is trying to give you worked, I think as a culture and as a generation, we would look very different. And so maybe we have to kind of get to a point where we begin to say, okay, just because everybody's saying this doesn't mean it's true. Just because this is what's flooding my social media, just because it's like a given where everybody's like, no, of course that's what is going to lead to a happy and whole life. The, the Bible introduces this concept. You judge a tree by its fruit. What fruit is that producing? That's where your roots are planted, but what fruit is that producing? And so what I want to get into with you guys today is the idea of you need to love yourself. That's the thing I want to highlight, and I think the Bible has a lot to say about that idea. I think that that's something in culture that is one million percent a part of the gospel of culture. You need to love yourself to be happy. You see quote after quote, if you go into any college girl's dorm room in the Midwest, the, the walls are just lined with live, love, laugh, love yourself, you are enough. And it's like these are literal messages of people saying your salvation in a way is going to be found when you love yourself. You need to come to peace with who you are. You are enough. You're, you're stronger than you know. You've got what it takes. You just need to believe in yourself and love yourself and follow your heart. And on one hand, when we hear that, that seems in a way like, I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Like, why should you hate yourself? Like, is that the way you have a good life? By just hating yourself and thinking you are horrible? Like, no, probably not. So to the world, like, you begin to hear that, and part of it rings is like, okay, yeah, I feel like, that kind of does sound right, like I should kind of love myself. But, like I said from the beginning, 
it is so easy to find ourselves smuggling in beliefs from the world into our walks with God. And the danger with that is it always steals from what Jesus wants to give us. And so everything that you hear, we have to be so careful that we don't just hear something and just because it sounds good or sounds like it might be true, that we just run with it. We have to be people where if you're here and you say, you know what, I believe in Jesus. I've given him my heart. He's changed my life. That means that you believe life is found with him. That means everything that you hear, you have to pass it through the filter of does this check out with him? If not, do you realize Jesus and the salvation that he came to bring you is not partial? It's not like he just helps a really good chunk of your life get better. And then the other stuff, you just kind of figure out what works for you. It's like with Jesus, it's all or nothing. You either have all of him or you're missing what he has for you. But there's no negotiating with God where it's, I like that part of the Bible. I like those parts of what you say life is supposed to look like. But God, like, I'm not feeling the rest of that. Imagine going to God and saying, all right, so you're telling me that, but I'm not feeling it. It's like that's literally what we do. And so what God is saying is, do you want my life? That means you can't take anything away from what I've said is true. You also can't add to it. So what does the Bible have to say? And, and before we say that, just to close out, what does the world say? They say, you'll never be happy unless you learn how to love yourself. You will never be confident unless you learn how to love yourself. You'll never, one thing I've heard, and this is where it starts getting interesting. A lot of people, I don't know if you've heard anyone say this. They'll say, you'll never be able to love someone else unless you first learn how to love yourself. I've seen pastors begin to even preach that recently. And I hear that, and I remember just hearing a couple times, and I'm like, that feels so wrong. Like, there's something with what I understand about the Bible, I haven't really thought through yet, but I'm like, you're a pastor, and like, you should be saying stuff that are true, but this is some reason it's disconnecting with me. And so I want to point to what the Bible has to say about this issue. Well, before I get there, last thing. A lot of times even Christians who will talk about the importance of loving ourselves, what we will say, there's a verse, I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard this, but Jesus giving a command to people, how, like the golden rule. Every person in Western culture knows the golden rule. They say, love others as you love yourself, right? So a lot of times you even hear Christians begin to say, well, that means you can't love others until you love yourself. But what Jesus is saying in that moment isn't that the reason why you're not loving other people isn't because you haven't learned how to fully love yourself enough yet. He's saying the reason why you're not loving other people is because you actually are loving yourself too much. The issue isn't that you're not loving yourself. The issue is you are loving yourself to a point that it's causing you to miss out on the life that I have for you and who I'm calling you to be. In 2 Timothy, we'll throw this on the screen, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says this. Paul talking to Timothy, talking about the days that are to come for Christians. He says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing, have nothing to do with such people. And so what is Jesus telling us in that? That there are even Christians who, although they claim the name of Jesus, these people are lovers of pleasure. They're lovers of themselves. And what does he say at the end? That they have a form of godliness, but there's no power. That's the reason why we're preaching this message today is because of pretty much that sentence right there. That why does it matter? Maybe I struggle with hating myself and I've been really just writing love letters to myself recently to try to tell myself what I think is special about myself so I could fall in love with myself again because I hate myself so much. Why are you trying to stop me from doing that? It's because this, Jesus makes a connection between living a life filled with love for yourself and having a religion that it's just a form, but it's lifeless. You call yourself a Christian, but there's zero power. There's zero vital signs to your walk with God. Pretty much what this passage is saying is people calling themselves Christians, but their lives, the place even from which they find their identities, look the exact same as the world around them. Do you realize Jesus did not come so that you could just go to church and your life look like the rest of the world around you? Jesus did not come so that you could just remain in church and your life look the way that it's always looked? This came to set you free, transform you, save you from yourself. I think that's so important. Jesus is not a savior just from the things around us, which that's a lot of times what we might make him to be. It's like my biggest issues are actually outside of me and around me. So God, fix this. Where God is looking at us and saying, no, your biggest issue is not anything that you're even going through, nothing that you're struggling in. Your biggest issue is yourself. That's what I came to save you from and deal with and do away with. And so what we're saying here is what again, does that mean? So you're saying, I can't love myself. That's not good. That's not biblical. And again, if there's Bible verses that you want to come to me and you disagree with what I'm saying, come and bring it after the message. It's a challenge. <laughs> come at me. But uh, so I'm saying the Bible seems to be saying, the world is saying you need to love yourself to be whole. Jesus is saying there's people that love are filled with just love for themselves and they're missing the power and the life that I came to bring them. So what then does that mean for our life? What are we supposed to do with that? Again, are we supposed to hate ourselves? Does the proportion of us knowing God and walking in the life he has for us, is that equivalent to how much we look in the mirror and hate what we see? Is that equivalent to just being filled with shame for who we are and despising our existence, and that means we're really spiritual and transformed godly people? No. You know, the Bible calls Satan the accuser, right? All self-hatred is whispered in our ear. There is an enemy who hates you, and he wants you to hate yourself, right? Hating of ourselves is not of God because we know the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. That the Bible says Jesus 
in his love, made us his children. So clearly God loves us. He's not trying to make us feel towards ourselves what he doesn't feel about ourselves. So we know self-hatred is from Satan. But in the same hand, self-hatred is from Satan, but also so is self-confidence and conceitedness. Do you know that insecurity and self-conceitedness are really two sides of the exact same coin? What it is, is it's pride. If I'm insecure walking around just constantly hating myself, hating my existence, I'm horrible at that. Oh, that guy's smooth. I'm not smooth. Oh, and you just like everything is just this ongoing like ticker in my mind of everything that I'm not. Can I tell you, you're proud. On the other hand, if you're feeling yourself, if you think you're that dude and you are smooth and after every interaction, you like wink in the mirror at yourself just thinking you're killing it. Of course, we know that. That's pride. But what is pride? Pride, if we're going to define this biblically, comes back to a verse that I share almost every week here. I want to point you guys to John 15, 5, right? There, Jesus, talking to humanity, says this. Abide in me. In me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is pride? Pride is the idea that we can do something apart from God or that we should be able to do something apart from God. What does that mean? That our insecurity is pride as Christians because we are angry with ourselves for maybe what we feel like we don't have when God is looking at you and I and saying, you, you think you should have strength, I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to be independent. Where I'm saying, I've created you to be dependent. Pride, on the other hand, thinking that you're strong, thinking that you've got it going. That's you telling God, no, apart from you, I actually can do things. I can be fruitful. I love myself. I've got this, I've got that. I'm, I have like a really quirky sense of humor that's so nuanced, nobody around me really else gets it. I am really kind, I'm really, and we're telling God things that we have when he's looking at us and saying, anything you have, I've given you. And anything you can do, the real fruit and measure of its value is only whether I'm in it or not. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh my gosh. That, see, that was God. <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. Um, so what is the love of self or sense of identity that as Christians Jesus wants us to have? Is it that we are feeling ourselves, and man, I've got this, God, look at all of this stuff you've given me, I'm good, I'm set. No, Jesus looks at us and says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Is it the other side of just walking around with your head down constantly, angry with yourself, hating yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm not, no, because Jesus is saying, look, yeah, you can't do anything apart from me, but I did something about that. I don't just leave you in your helplessness. That's the point of the gospel. 
The gospel comes and gives us a way to define ourselves as humans. Before we go any further, just to make sure you guys are tracking with me. So when we say, why can loving yourself, it, it depends what we mean when we say that. If loving ourselves is just trying to find what's unique and special and good and powerful that we have within ourselves and trying to just come to peace that we are enough on our own and we're good enough on our own. Well, in saying that, today I want to just share with you, you are disagreeing with God. God is looking at you today and where the world is pointing at you and saying, you are enough. Jesus is looking at you and saying, no, no, I am enough. How do we begin to form a new identity? How do we walk with any kind of confidence if we have God in our ear telling us that we can't do anything on our own? Well, this is the point of what we're getting to today. The gospel is, in every sense of the word, a new way to be human. Before, what the Bible says our places before putting our trust in Jesus and receiving what he comes and does in our life. The Bible says this, you're a slave to sin. What does that mean? That means that our heart is bent away from what God says is good and leads to life and we're on a destruction course, doing our own thing, only things that are gonna blow up our life and cause us to miss out on what God has for us. That's where we are apart from God. But the Bible says this, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. What does that mean? That in the middle of you being broken and stuck in your sin, wanting nothing to do with God, even hating God, God still loved you. Why did he love you? Well, it's not because you are some indispensable part of his plan that he made a calculation where he's like, well, I need to do this, and even though they're bugging out, I guess I'll have to pull them in the fold because I need to get this thing done. No, the reason why God loves you is because he loves you. It actually has nothing to even do with you. God created you. Of course, you are a specific, beautiful, the Bible says we're all created in the image of God, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. But the reality of sin is, we are broken and corrupted apart from God. God doesn't look at us and say, mm, I'll choose that person because I really think that they've got that going for them. No. God loves you because that's who he is, because he is love. And in the middle of our sins, in rejection of him, hatred of him, he looks at you and I and he says, here, here you want to have an idea of God's love for your life. Look at the cross. That is Jesus hanging there, taking the punishment, the separation from God that our sins deserve. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to set you free from being stuck living a life that was going nowhere. That's, that's the point we're saying in the beginning of this message. Everybody in the world has all of these ideas of this is the answer. You just need to do that. You need to love yourself. You need to follow your heart. You need whatever. But none of it works. And all through human history, none of it has ever worked because you were created for God. And God loved you so much that even though we disqualified ourselves from his love because we sinned, he says, even in spite of that, I still love you and I'm going to do what needs to be done so that you can live in my love. 
So what does the gospel mean? Number one, God gives us a new life that has nothing to do with us anymore. The Bible says this, whoever is in Christ becomes a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's like so many of us want to have some sense of identity of like, I've got that going for me. I'm like this. I, and it's like we're trying to build these ideas that can give us some sense of security in who we are and peace in who we are based on what we think. And God's looking at us and saying, no, 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 no. Apart from me, you can do nothing. These things you're trying to define yourself by are dead ends that run off cliffs. You begin to build your identity on all of these other things. You're building yourself on strength that you don't have. You're trying to convince yourself you have something that you don't. But what is the identity that I want to come and give you? Jesus wants to come, settle your heart in his love, where, I guess this is what I'm getting at, so much of our identity is placed in, this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I hope my, my future looks like. This is how I hope people see me one day. And we're on this treadmill, just trying to get some sense of like, okay, I'm at peace with myself because I've done this, or people have validated me, or I proved those people from my past who said things over me wrong, and now I'm at peace with myself. I'm confident that I'm enough now. What Jesus wants to come and do in each of your hearts today is free you from that hopeless pursuit. You are never going to come to peace within yourself, love of yourself, by achieving things, by finding yourself in certain rooms and getting certain levels of affirmation, the only path to a secure, unshakable identity of peace is when you open your heart and you say, God, yeah, I actually don't deserve your love, yet you do love me. And guess what? The Bible says this, that God, when we put our faith in him, he makes a covenant to us saying, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you. My grace is sufficient for you. I will bring peace and joy and love that will fill your heart. Everything that you could possibly need for a sense of self and peace and security in your identity, it's in me. I'm going to give it to you. It's easy to be a Christian and miss this. Do you guys feel what I'm saying in any way? We could be a Christian and... God has all of this that he said he wants to give us. But we find ourselves in this pursuit of trying to convince ourselves that we're enough, trying to find life outside of God. And what God is saying to each of us today is, within you, there's no hope. But because of what I've done for you, you have the most hope of any human who's ever lived. I want to share with you, a quote from a pastor named Tim Keller. This is a beautiful quote. It says this, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. So you hear that today. What is that saying? That means in our attempts of trying to build some identity that we can be confident and secure in, 
Jesus is saying, you don't even realize how hopeless and broken you are apart from me. You don't even realize how little, how you can do nothing apart from me. But you're also not seeing that in me and through me, you can do all things. The beginning of beginning, the beginning of beginning to see God's power in your life is when you begin to see how powerless you are in yourself. If you don't see your need, then you won't go to the solution, right? If I'm not hungry, I'm, I mean, I'll probably still eat. But for the most part, if you're not really that hungry, you are not going to be desperately looking for food. But that's the issue. We're hungry, but we don't really realize it. It's like we need Jesus. We need his power. We need his life. He's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. As I've lived my life, each year that's passed, I've come to see in a greater way more and more how helpless I am, how broken I am apart from him. But that's the beauty of the gospel that Jesus came to bring to your life, is that Jesus is saying, I'm not asking for you to do anything for me anymore. I'm asking for you to live your entire life with me and through me from this point forward. Jesus wants to walk with you. Jesus wants to free you from having to live out of your own power, your own strength, walking in insecurity. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm trying to work myself up and convince. It's like, no. Jesus is saying, on one hand, what the gospel does to our life is it makes us more insecure than ever, which actually, in a way, is a good thing. Again, I'm not saying self-hatred is a good thing, but the insecurity of knowing I am stuck unless I have you. You are my help. You are my source. There's so much beauty when we begin to see more and more clearly, okay, I'm trying to do the things that I know I'm supposed to do and God's called me to do, and I'm seeing more clearly than ever. I'm stuck and I can't change. There's a, a verse I was reading in Romans this week, and it says this, woe is me. I, who is going to save me from this body that is controlled by sin and death. And I looked at like the Greek word of what, when he was like, woe is me, and what the connotation with that, what it was saying was, it says intense, uh, it being intensely worn out from continued straining. And it means literally full of calluses. You know what a callus is? Where you're, I'm trying to think of something that we all could relate on. <laughs> I was about to say swinging an axe. I don't know if we've all swung an axe before. One time in college, I went to school in Virginia, and there was nothing to do. And this one weekend, they're like, what are we going to do? And I was like, let's go cut trees. <laughs> and so we literally went to Home Depot and got an axe, and I just started going in, and it almost fell on us, and it was wild. Um, but you start swinging an axe, and what happens? If you don't have calluses built up, your hand gets raw, Right? But then what happens, the more you begin to do stuff like that, it gets raw, it gets raw, but then it begins to get hard and calloused over and over again. What ends up happening when we try to live the life God has called us to live in our own power, it's like our heart begins to get calloused. Because here we are thinking that we should have the strength maybe to be able to do these things God's called us to do. And we try to do it over and over and over again, and then we're like, I'm stuck, I can't change. I've tried to change, I've tried to stop doing this, and here I am. No, I'm, no matter how motivated I try to get myself to be, no matter how driven 
I try to feel in a moment. I always find myself back in the same spot. And then before you know it, your heart just starts getting hard, right? Where we're just like, what's the point? This is the message I'm trying to share with you guys tonight. That Jesus came so that our lives could look like what Paul says. He says, it's no longer I who lives anymore, but it's Christ who lives through me. Just to begin to close, we could have the band come up. What's the message I'm trying to share with you guys? We're trying to contrast the gospel of the world, that wholeness, freedom, happiness is found in just loving yourself, treating yourself, coming to peace with who you are, that you are enough. And I want to share with you tonight, that is the opposite of the gospel of Jesus. The world says you are worthy and you are enough. Jesus says you're unworthy of my love, yet I still love you. You're not enough, but I came and died on the cross so that I could be the very life that fills your bones. What does an empowered, supernatural, victorious life in Jesus look like? It looks like me becoming less and him becoming everything. You and I don't get better. And guess what? If we got better, then very quickly we'd start getting worse again because we'd start feeling ourselves. If you and I had the ability to be enough and do what God called us to do, live the life we're supposed to live, in a second, we would begin to get glory from that and start feeling ourselves. But what Jesus is saying is that from now till the day you die, the salvation that you have put your faith in as you received me is this. I am going to give you day by day, moment by moment, the life, the strength, the power, the peace, the love, the security that your soul needs. You don't have to look anywhere else for it. Don't look to ideas of what you think your life should look like. Don't look inwardly and try to find strength within yourself that you don't have. As you try and do that, you're just going to see the tires running through mud. You're not going to get any traction in life. You're not going to go anywhere. Do you want to know the way forward into living victoriously, into living in power? It's when we get to that place where we realize this is the gospel. Jesus, I have nothing and I can do nothing, but I have you. And in you, I have everything and can do everything. My life isn't even me anymore. The good that's in me, I recognize it's from you. I'm seeking you so I could have more of your life, more of your power. What Paul says is this. This is a beautiful verse for us to begin to close today. In 2 Corinthians 12, 19, God speaking to Paul says this. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Here are the two identities that are going to bring security, confidence, and victory and life. It's this. Number one, I'm helpless. I'm, I'm so helpless that my sin put Jesus on a cross. That's how bad what's in me is apart from you. That's how desperately, that's how desperate my situation apart from you is. God himself had to come and put on human flesh and be tortured on a cross and die. That's who I am apart from you. But because of your love for me, you have given me a new name and a new life. How amazing it is the gospel that it's not just God saying, here, 
I'm forgiving you and giving you a new start. Because if he just gives us a new start, how quickly are we just going to find ourselves back where we were before we got that fresh start, right? God doesn't just forgive us. He gives us his life. He transforms us. Philippians says this, it's God who gives you the desire and the power to live the life he's called you to live. So from this moment till the rest of your life, all that's to come, all of the battles that are to come, all of the desires that you have of living a life that is true and is significant for God and his kingdom, what is the way that we get from where we are to there? Guys, it is only his power filling you and working through you. Abide in me. Another word for that, remain in me. In me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we could call the band up. What's the application for this now? What God wants us to do is come to a place of zero confidence in ourselves. As far as we're confident in ourselves, in our ability to do apart from him, we're missing his life. He wants to bring us to that place where we see ourselves. God, I am broken. I'm helpless and I'm unworthy even of your love. I see my sin. He wants us to see that clearly. But on top of that, he wants you and I to be confident, more confident. On one hand, you hear this, and it's like, this is depressing. This is, it's hard to walk out of a message like this feeling yourself. But guess what? The end part of this, there is more hope in these final words I'm about to say than any human on earth could possibly have. You can walk out of this room having the most hope in your heart of any human on earth. And what is it? It's this. If you are here and you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've been born again, what that means is you have the God of the universe living inside of you. And he's saying, cast every burden on me. All of your battles, I'll fight them. You're feeling stuck? You're feeling helpless? Yeah, you are. You're, you're trying to get yourself out of a ditch? You can't. But guess what? I love you. I came and died on the cross. There's another verse that says, if he didn't spare his own son, but gave him generously for all of us, will he not also give us everything we need? Jesus on the cross isn't saying, now this is the max of my love and what I'm willing to do for you. And now you better show me that you have resolve and you're re ready to commit to me and I'm gonna, I, have, I better see you're serious about this. He's saying, no, me on the cross is the down payment of everything that I wanna do for you for the rest of your life. You don't have to do a single thing now apart from God. He wants to fill you, transform you, teach you to walk in his power day by day, moment by moment. Maybe as we're hearing this tonight, the thing that God's just beginning to speak to us is, okay, maybe I've been putting some premium on I need to love myself. I need to try to figure out what's strong and good about me. But God, what you're beginning to help me see right now is I just need you. You're the answer. I can't get myself out of a pit. We have struggles in this room. There's areas where we're stuck. If you think, how on earth could God command you to do anything that he's not going to help you do entirely? If he looked at you and said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You really think God is going to call you to do things knowing that you can do nothing? And then 
say, well, they're not doing their part. No, no, no. The love of God is this, that in our sin, in our hopelessness, he doesn't need anything in exchange or in return for his love and his power to fill our lives. All you and I need to do is say, Jesus, I've come to the end of myself. I'm done trying in my own power. I'm done trying to make life about me, serving me, serving. It's like, God, here's my life. I need you. Now come, fill me. Do something new in my heart. Let me begin to walk in your grace and your power. Teach me what that means. And the beauty of the message tonight is this. It's what I started by saying. God is not in some distant place waiting to be found by you and saying, well, are they going to do the right? Are they, are they going to play their part? Are they going to hit the right notes and then I'm going to come? It's like God isn't like with some closed fist that through your effort, it like takes one finger open at a time and then finally you get his help and his love. Who God is is when we come to him and we say, Jesus, here I am. I'm seeing tonight in a new way. I need an identity that's in you alone. I want to live in your love, in your peace. I want my needs to be met by you. I want to walk not in my power. I've seen enough to know there's no hope in that. I want you. Give me what you died on the cross to give me. I promise you that God is going to do more than you could have ever asked or imagined in your life. God does not withhold himself. He's knocking at the door of your heart, the Bible says. And when you open, if you feel like he's speaking to you in any way and you're saying, God, I have this new thing working in me now. I'm feeling like you're trying to lead me into whatever this guy is talking about. That's God speaking to you? So now just open your heart and say, Lord, here I am. Teach me what this means. I want to walk in your life. I want an identity from you. I'm going to pray for us right now. And we're just going to close by singing that song, Jesus, we love you. But my prayer for everybody here tonight is that we would walk out here recognizing in a new way the hopelessness of our situation in ourself. We're sinful, we're stuck, but also recognizing the unspeakable hope that there is in Jesus for you. That God is gonna come, he's gonna fill you, he's gonna forgive you, cleanse you, and give you his life so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We confess tonight, Jesus. We're stuck without you, God. We want to know what that means, God, to have an identity built out of your love out of your strength, that we would recognize, God, that it's not about what we have, who we are even anymore, but it's about who you are to us, God. We need to see what the gospel means to our life tonight, Lord, like never before. I pray for each person here, Lord, that for us who don't know you, for us who have never even been born again, that, God, we would see tonight that you are our Savior, that as we put our trust in you and we give you our lives, you will come and change and take everything. But for us, God, who are a part of your family, but God, we are living religious lives that are powerless. God, we are powerless because we are still living out of ourselves, 
power is in you alone. And Jesus, tonight we tell you, come and fill our hearts. Teach us what that means, Lord, to live in you and walk with you, to not try to be through anything apart from your grace, but to depend on you and look to you for everything we need, God. Make your promises known to us, God, like never before. Help us to see the love and the power and the grace that you want to give us, that you're calling for us to put everything into your hands and that you'll take all of it, Lord, and bless it and fill it. Bless each heart tonight, God, as we begin to sing this. Give us faith to trust you, to give ourselves to you so that you could fill us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we all stand up? Let's begin to sing this song. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at sanctusnyc.